Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's Word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the Word with us. Well, thank you for being in church this morning. Uh, I, I just want to jump right in uh, to what God has for us today. I, I think it's real important to understand that God's people so many times, not knowingly, but we put limits on God. Yeah. And people will say, well, you can't do that because God's unlimited. I want you to know that I believe with all that I am that we serve an unlimited God. So you don't have to write me about this message and tell me, well, that's not really. No, I agree that we serve an unlimited God. But what I'm telling you is by his word, he allowed things to function through your life and in your life in ways that you can put limits on him. Now, I want to explain more and more about that because we serve an unlimited God, but he's not going to go past what he's given you the opportunity to do on your behalf. He's going to partner with you. And, and, and let me just give a scripture here to start out again, Psalm 78. Uh, I've been talking about this for a few weeks, verse 41. Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. God's people limited the Holy One of Israel. So don't think that for a second that you can't do the same thing, because you can. You can limit God. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now, all glory to God, who is able... Now, he's he's able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. See, God's power works in us. How? How does God's power work in us? By us not limiting him. But there's a lot of God's people that get saved, and they think that is the end of their life. Now that I've got saved, I just have to wait for heaven. What I want to challenge you is that's the beginning of life. Salvation is the beginning of life, and you have the opportunity now for God to work in a mighty way with his power in you and accomplish way more than you can even ask or think. Well, then why isn't all of God's people just, that's their life? I mean, you can look at them and go, man, God's working in a way that I couldn't even have asked or thought of. Why don't every time you look at a Christian, that's what you see? Because God is not able to work and accomplish great and mighty things within you until you believe that God will. I'm getting way too hyped up and way too early. The first week we talked about your belief can limit God. If you're thinking wrong, you can limit God. I'm not going to go back and preach that. That was a couple weeks ago. You can go listen to it. Those wanting healed but believing God doesn't heal usually don't get healed. we got to believe that God can heal. There's a belief. There's a thinking right. And we talked about the, the sovereignty of God and how we mess that up. We don't understand. Sovereignty means supreme or he is supreme. God is obviously supreme. We believe that. He owns everything. But he is placed different responsibilities in this life to us. And so if God controls everything, then there wouldn't be any need for you to do anything. If he controls everything. So I'm not here to say that he can't 
take control. He can't, but you have a part in giving that to him and thinking right about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not going to preach that. Last week, his will for your life must be known. His will for your life. If you don't know God's will, it will limit what you're able to do. Moses, Isaiah, Paul, all of them called to greatness. While in their mother's womb, they were no accident and you're not either. They were called to greatness before they were great. We are to seek God and make sure we are walking in what he has asked us to do. And as we're walking in what he's asked us to do, that's where the blessings come. We're to seek God. There is a process. There is a process. And we've talked about this process. If you're not seeking his will, there's not a real good chance you're going to accidentally fall in it. So you got to seek the will of God today. More of what keeping what is keeping us from receiving what God has for us. I want to talk about fear today. It's a real, real thing. It's a real thing. So many areas. Now, when we say fear, we get all messed up. But let me just give you the fear I'm talking about. Fear of change. I'm going to talk about this today. Fear of the unknown. Fear of persecution. Fear of man. And fear of failure. Now, if I can get through all of those, I'll go quicker when you nod your head and go, amen, or wow, that was really good. Because as I'm preaching and I see that you got it, you want me to move on, just pretend. I got it. But if you're looking at me kind of like, uh, I'm just going to stay right there. And we'll, we'll pick up where we left off next time. See, the fear of change is what I want to start with today. There's a natural fear of resistance towards what you don't know yet. There's just a fear. So the fear of change and the fear of unknown can kind of go hand in hand. Uh, there, there are people that would agree that there is more than what they're experiencing in life right now. A lot of Christians go, okay, I believe that there is more than what I'm experiencing right now. Or let me just change the word more to there's better. There's better than what I'm experiencing right now. And, and I, I want you to know that I agree with that. I mean, I think all the time that there is more available. And we're not walking in everything that God has for us right now. But we're walking towards it prayerfully. But, but we're, we're not in it yet. Many know there is more. And here's what I'm, I'm talking about when the fear of change or the fear of unknown. They're afraid to do something different. A lot of people get scared to do something different. If you know that you are not living the abundant life God called you to, then you're going to have to do something different. Now, that seems obvious, but there's a fear of change, and we get comfortable where we're at, and people get afraid of change, and so we're resistant. But if you want the limits off of God, you're going to have to welcome some change. It's risky serving God. It, it is. And if you don't want any risk, then stay right where you're at. But don't be believing God for more because you've already limited him. And I'm not talking about going crazy and getting weird, but I'm also not talking about not being willing to do something different than you've done for the last 20 years. There's got to be a place where we understand what this means and a fear of change. Jesus walking on the water with the guys in the boat. I mean, God was supernatural there. I mean, Jesus was supernatural. He was above the natural. Don't you know anyone's walking on water that are above natural? Yeah. 
That's above what is normal, if you will. He's walking on top of the things that would normally be sinking. That was a good moment to hear what I'm... He's walking on top of the natural, so he's on top of what would normally be sinking him. Why wouldn't you want something supernatural? Nobody wants to sink. I, I mean, I just... Peter knew that, and he was like, okay, if that's you, Jesus, I'm coming. And you know all the guys in the boat didn't jump out and say, us too, us too, us too. No, they stayed right there, and they talked about Peter. Peter, get back in here. What are you doing? Who do you think you are? And so there's a bunch of talk going on. And, And I just want you to know, Jesus wasn't affected by the wind and the waves. He never started to sink, not once. We can read that Peter did. But he took his eyes off of him. But it don't read that Jesus, let me tell you what that says to me. Jesus never goes, oh, no. We do. Ah! That's not in Jesus' vocabulary. He, he doesn't do that. He's on top of all this stuff, and he's not operating in fear. And some Christians are continually thinking that just life is about to come to a complete halt. No, life is getting ready to get better. Well, I just don't think a lot of people think like that. This church has gone through some pretty major deals just in the 20 years. 19, we're not quite 20, but we're close. In 2008, everybody's like, everything's falling apart. I don't know what we're going to do. We watch the churches grow. Right through it steadily, financially, people. God was doing COVID-19. Just watch steady. The church just continues. I've just watched this and I've thought, okay, wait a minute here. There's going to be another crisis because we live in a fallen world. And you've got to know right now with what's going on with Israel, we're going to pray, we're going to believe, but God didn't go, oh no. God God doesn't do that. So anytime you're doing it, you're living a separate life than him. See, when, your eye, when Peter's eyes were on Jesus, he wasn't sinking. When he came to a place where he wasn't looking and he saw the winds and the that's when we, we made a turn. And, and here's the thing. The church should have the answer, especially when the world is looking crazy. The problem is so many church people look just like the world. If the church truly has the answer, then we're not fearful of what's going on in the world. I'm not saying that our head's in the sand. I'm just saying I'm not, I'm not going to live in fear if my God and who I'm serving and who I've committed to never goes, oh, no, then why should I? We have the answer. God is not limited to this world system. He's supernatural. All right, a lot of time. I feel as pastor like I'm the lone voice talking about these things. And I'm not. I, I, I know that I'm not. Everyone in the world, and it's Christians too, that I see having a world response is talking about how bad it's getting. And I know there are other teachers, and there are other people preaching about this, and some of them's right here in our environment, in our culture. But there's others that are out there that I think ought to be saying something different, and they're freaking out about what's happening. Michelle and I, Rick and Melanie, were just in Washington, 
And I, I want you to know, they didn't have their head in the sand and they're trying to tell you, okay, this is where we're at. But they also on the other side said, but that's not where God's people need to be. And so even though the world may be going a little crazy, God's people aren't because we live by a different standard. This is not right now in our society. I just want you to know, and this isn't about Israel today. This is about life. This is not nor ever will be a time to operate in fear. Fear paralyzes people. But so many are afraid to do anything. But it's easy to just talk about how bad it is. I mean, it is. We can jump right on that bandwagon with our coworkers, with our friends, with some of our relatives. Oh, it's just horrible. That's an easy conversation just to jump right in the middle of. How's it going, man? Take a seat. I got to tell you, it's bad right now. And it's easy to jump into that. And what I want you to know is we need a biblical response as God's people who are living by the Bible. Second yeah. Kings chapter 7, verse 3. I love this story. There were four men with leprosy. They're sitting at the entrance of the city gates. And they're sitting there and they go, you know, why, why should we sit here waiting to die? They, they ask each other, why, why should we sit here waiting to die? And, and I like this because they're like, we got to do something. What we're doing right now, I can tell you, is ultimately going to end in death and probably sooner than later. So if we don't do something, we're going to die. Many people find themselves right where they are. They may not have leprosy, but whatever your issue is. What, I, I just wish I was dead. I just wish I, you don't understand, Pastor, what I'm going through. I don't, you don't even get it. What I'm telling you is you are going to die with that mindset. And maybe that's what you're looking for. But these four are sitting there and going, we're in big trouble. We got to do something. I, I just want to declare to you today, to give a proclamation, you can't live a victorious, free, fulfilled life knowing that your life right now is not what it could be. You can't live that knowing that you're not going to live going, well, it could be this, but it's never going to be. You can't live thinking that. You've got to live thinking, you know what? It's going to be, it will be, and it is. Well, right now, you just don't know where I'm at. All right, well, let's operate in some ways of change. We've talked about our thinking. We've talked about knowing that God has a plan for our life. And what I'm telling you is the enemy wants to get you in fear that none of that can happen. And when you start thinking that way and start believing that God has a plan for your life, then you get in fear and all of a sudden those things just disappear and we limit God again. So these lepers... How long are we going to do this? 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 4. We'll starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we'll starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. And if they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we'd have died anyway. <laughs> I love this thinking. We're going to starve if we stay here. But there's a famine in the city. You've got to know what's been going on in the city. Things were really bad in the city. There was no food. There was no food there. In fact, they had done some really bad things. People were eating people. They were selling animals' dung and eating it. That, can you imagine going and buying some manure? That's what's going on in the city. These lepers are sitting here going, we're going to starve if we go in there because I ain't buying any of that. I'm not going, and I'm not eating people 
So we got to do something different. See, we, we might as well go surrender to the army that's got us in this famine. Let's just go surrender. If they let us live, great. It, it, I mean, better if they let us live. But if they kill us, we're going to die anyway. Are you getting the line of thinking here? Okay, so here's the story. It's just like the boat. The disciples are in bad shape. Peter, don't get out of the boat. Peter's like, what's the deal? We're going to die. Everybody's saying we're going to die. We just said Jesus, and Jesus said, come, and he's our only hope anyway. Let's get out of the boat. See, Peter's the only one willing to do something different than what their circumstances said was going to ultimately happen to him. You cannot experience the miracle if you don't get out of the boat. You can't experience the miracle if you don't do something different. You can't experience the miracle if you live in fear. Well, I'm praying for a miracle, but I'm not going to do anything different. Many people are just playing it too safe. They don't ever want to have a bump in the road. I don't want a bump in the road. To have a great testimony, you have to have the test before the money. You have to witness some things which is what testimony means. It's an original meaning of the word, means a witness to what happens. Too many people are telling what happened to someone else and they're giving the testimony of someone else's life. I want to give my testimony. I want to know that God moved on my behalf. See, if you're not excited about what God's doing in and through you, then you gotta make some changes. You need to start saying, thank you, Father, for a great life. Thank you for a great life. My mom texts me every Sunday morning talking about how excited she is about coming to church today, how she can't wait for worship, can't wait for the word. She's so excited about church. She just can't wait. And I always text her back and say, it's going to be a great day. Boy, I'm telling you, just two words back and forth that we give to each other, and it's a good word. How horrible it would be if mom texted me every Sunday morning and says, well, I'm really not looking forward to church today. It's going to be horrible again, I'm sure, and I'm confident you don't have a word. And then I would text back, it's going to be a great day. Somehow it just wouldn't accomplish the, the same thing. I mean, we've got to get to a place where we understand that God has a great life for us. One of the greatest lessons from Elijah, and I'm going to get back to 2 Kings here in a second, but I'm going to drop, drop back a book, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Elijah, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Everybody know that story? I mean, kind of a fun story here. Now that word could have gotten Elijah killed. I don't know if I ought to tell everybody this because until I say something, there ain't going to be none. But he was bold and he went and delivered that word and he didn't really know what the results were going to be. Now, I want you to know he delivered the word. And after he delivered the word, not before, after he delivered the word, God took care of some things. See, God gave him a word and Elijah bold enough to act upon it. And then God said, now go to the brook. Kareth, I believe was what it's called. Go to the brook Kareth because I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. I have commanded, past tense. I have already told them before you gave the word to have the provision for you after you gave the word. I already told you this. So, so God had already commanded the ravens to meet him where he was going to be going and the supply was already there for where God told him to go before 
he gave the word that would have allowed him the supply. Not to confuse you. God sends your supply where he told you to go. Not where you are. Come on, if for some reason Elijah had said, I can't go, God, it's too far. There's a drought, and I don't really have any security that there's provision for me when I get there. I'll probably die along the way. I mean, Elijah could have stayed there, and here's a Christian response. He could have begged, did a fundraiser maybe. I'm not going. He would have interceded. He could have bound and loosed. He could have fasted. And nothing would have happened. God was faithful and was sending his supply where he told him to go. So many people want to stay right here. But I'm not against all the things that God says to do. But you've got to know, don't let that stop you where you're at. God said, I'll send the supply where you're going. I'm going to send it where I told you to go. It's like a quarterback. Hopefully, your team's quarterback will throw the ball right where the guy that's supposed to catch it is going. If he throws it while he, where he's at, while he's running, he's, not, he's already going to miss it. He's throwing it where he's... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Just some ways to think here. If God had told you to do something, then I want to encourage you today. The provision is where he told you to go and in what he told you to do. You are given the provision where he said to go. The reason some of us aren't seeing the provision of God is because we're not there. You're here. You need to go there, and that's where the provision are, but you're right here. And you need to go there. I'm just telling you, I've seen this a hundred times. When Michelle and I got the vision for the church, we're like, okay, God, just I don't know what to do, but we're just going to move to Hot Springs. Well, that wasn't where the provision was. The provision was here. So we went here. We lived over there, but we went here. We went where God said go. And everywhere God said go, he provided for where he said go. This building that you're setting in is just a representative of the people. And it's here because we were down there and he said go here. Well, no, when he said go here, the provision for all of that was here. And if we'd have just stayed there, we'd have just watched, nothing happened here. I just, I've learned so much about this over time. I've got to teach this concept. It would be better to do something wrong than to not do anything. If you're motivated by faith, God can bless a mistake that was made in faith more than he'll bless a mistake made in fear. Well, wait, if I'm in faith, that means I won't make any mistakes. No, because we're still fighting the flesh every day. I get that. But, but he's going to bless a mistake that was made with a right heart than one that was made in a heart that's full of fear. Well, I'm really scared. I don't know if I want to do this or not. No, what I'm telling you is God has provision where he said go. It's a mistake for us just to play it safe. Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's what Paul said. We're going to kill you if you don't quit preaching, Paul. We're going to kill you if you don't quit preaching. So he reaches up and he kisses him. Wonderful. I'll just be with Jesus. That's Paul's response. Then we'll just stick you in jail. Wonderful. So he starts praising God in jail. All the prisoners get saved. The jailers get saved. We're going to release you, Paul. Well, great. I'm just going to go preach the gospel then. You can't mess up a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. 
Why? Because wherever I'm at, it's just an opportunity for me to. It's a great life. It's a great life. How do you stop someone who really doesn't care if they live or die? See, the fear of death is bondage. Some people are so afraid of dying that that they just, I, I just don't, they're so afraid if they make a mistake. You need to know this, you will. Well, I just don't want to make a mistake. You will. If mistakes would kill you, I'm telling you I'd be dead. See, back to 2 Kings. we got to finish this. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and they ran into the night, abandoning their tents, their horses, their donkeys, everything else as they fled for their lives. Verse 8, when the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and they hid it. All of a sudden, these four guys who are destined to die anyway at the city gates are going, okay, if we go into the city, we're in trouble. We're going to die. If we go and surrender, they might let us live. It was even better than the two choices they said they thought they had. They go out to surrender and they realize that, wait a minute, God obviously had a different plan and they're not going to starve in either location. They're not going to get killed in either location. They just start eating and the next thing you know is they're rich. You go on with the story and they go hide all this stuff and they're not really going to say anything about it because that's our work. But then they realize, wait, God has provisions for other people based on my blessing. And so they go back and tell him, and then everybody prospers. What in the world do we think? Do we think that us staying where we're at is going to help? No. It's not going to allow God to move on our behalf. They left everything. Lepers were outcasts. They had no future. And then all of a sudden they're rich and they're full. I, I love that story. You know, no one gets to the end of their life and says, I wish I would have played it safer. Well, some of the adrenaline junkies might, but most people, I, I wish I wouldn't have believed God. I mean, nobody says that. No, 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 I, I, wish I'd have, I wish I would have not trusted him. I, I just wish I'd have been more fearful. No one gets to the end of their life and thinks those things. No one ever says that. When they come to the end, oftentimes, I, I could have done more. I wish I'd have done more. I wish I'd have done more, but thank you, God. For the Christian, thank you, God, that I was able to do what you've asked me to do. We don't have to wait till we are old and facing death to come to grips with our life should count. Yes, that's right. that's our life should count. If you want to take the limits off God, you've got to get rid of fear. The fear of change and the fear of the unknown. Y'all get anything from this today? People don't like where they are because they're afraid to move. Sometimes we're afraid of people. Sometimes we're afraid of the unknown. Sometimes we're afraid of change. I'm telling you, people can be scary. They can. Don't get scared of people and quit praying for people. Some won't pray for someone because they're afraid it won't work. But you know what? It might. Why doesn't that thought ever come into our head? 
Not every person will receive and be healed, but how many will? I mean, some just get healed because you stepped out of your comfort zone and prayed for them. I know it wasn't comfortable, but go and pray for somebody. Come on, when's the last time you did that? Just go and pray. I, I, I just, I, I'm telling you that we need to get this attitude. If you pray over someone and they fall over dead, you just say, next. Well, well why would I? Why? Because I'm believing God. I, the results are his. Fear releases the power of the devil just like faith releases the power of God. And I don't want to release any power to the enemy. The fear of persecution gets us. Some people, if you have all the restrictions removed and you knew that God wanted you to do something and you understood and you even knew how to get where you were supposed to go, you would still not do it because you're afraid of what someone might say about it. The fear of people. Letting fear of what others might say limit God. That happens. Proverbs 29, verse 25 addresses it. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. You're never going to see God's will fulfill in your life if you're scared of what someone's going to say. Now, I'm just going to tell you, and I'll, I'll, I'll just share part of my test, Amoni. I'm in ministry, there are things God has me say. And people misunderstand my bluntness sometimes and get offended. It's happened a lot. The Lord has dealt with me on that to try to be softer in certain areas and be more bold in the areas. And I've just got to be very aware and listening to what he has me say. And it used to, it used to get me, this is my testimony, that I'd say something and I highly offended somebody I'm just like, well, they just need to get over it. Well, that's wrong. I, I didn't, that wasn't my heart, so I'll try to share my heart or I'll try. But I was praying about this, and I'm telling you, this is probably 15 years ago, and I wrote it down, and I've referred to this several times when I've offended somebody. And I was praying about it, and, and I knew that I'd said what God said, but they still got offended. You know, sometimes you say what God says, and they still get offended. Yeah. And he said, if, in this big first part that he told me, and I wrote it down and I've, I've lived by this, if I inspire you to say something and you're afraid that the people may not like it or you're afraid that it will offend them, here's what God told me, then what you are doing is rejecting that truth for them. You're not giving that person the opportunity to reject that truth on their own. And they might not reject it. I, I'm telling you, it changed my life. I pray that that helps somebody today. Just that truth. When God showed me that, I decided I'm going to tell people the truth. And I'm going to do everything I can to do it in love. But I've still got to tell the truth. And if you reject that truth, it's your choice. And I'm okay to have a different opinion. Somebody have a different opinion than mine. But if it's just an opinion and it's not scriptural, then don't even come and talk to me about it. See, God showed me this and I decided I, I'm going to tell the truth. There are so many ministers, and I don't want to be one of them, that are scared to say anything anymore. And you are a minister. You're doing the work of the ministry. You can't live in fear. This isn't just for pastors. This is for God's people. you got to get to the point where you'll tell them the truth. I mean, you got 
does this dress make me look fat? Well, it's not the dress. See, I mean, you can, you can say things. With, no, I'm just, just want to make sure everybody's still listening. There's so many people that are, that are just, they're codependent on people's approval. We're scared of people. You have to have people reaffirm you, and it would devastate you if somebody were to reject you. And you need to know you're limiting God. I guarantee you, God will have you do and say things that are unpopular. As a Christian, it's going to happen. 2 Timothy 3.12, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Everyone, everyone say everyone. Yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. If you are scared of man or dependent upon their approval, you're going to limit God. I'm trying to say this in love, but we have weak Christians that are not dependent upon the Lord. We just do. We, We have, and you call it immaturity or whatever. God's opinion is really not all you need. Because he has an opinion too. But his opinion isn't all you need. You need him. See, just not what he says, but you need the relationship. The relationship is then what will allow you to walk in partnership with God. Just hearing what he says on a Sunday morning and you not walking out of here in relationship with him is not just what you need. Well, I went to church. That's not all you need. Yeah, God spoke and he said some things and his presence was, the king is in the room. I get that. But we're in need of more than just what he says. We're in need of him saying it to someone he's in relationship with. He's all we need. We just sang a song about this this morning. I mean, as, as Teresa, I'm sitting here going, man, that is my message. Of course, while I was preparing it, I went back to the old hymns. He's all I need. He's all I need. I don't know if you know that song. It's a pretty cool song. See, if people started criticizing you, you there are some that would just, okay, they're, they're criticizing me, and I'm just going to stay at home and suck my thumb all day and moan over how you were treated for days because you're just mistreated. Now, now hear me. I'm saying this in love. That's childish. That's immature. The only people that will ever let you down are the ones that you lean on. When you're leading and they move and they do something, those are the ones that let you down. I understand that that doesn't mean I can't lean on somebody, but I'm not surprised when I'm let down because people are people. Now, I don't want that to happen. But you need to get to a place where you love people and you minister to them because it will benefit them. You see, and all you need is Jesus. If everyone else forsakes you, you're going to be all right. right. You can still be happy and content when everybody in your friend group leaves you. I'm telling you, I know this. You can get to a place where you don't need everyone else's approval. You just need God's. He's enough. He's enough. Now, nobody likes rejection. I get that. God didn't make man for rejection. He created us for his pleasure. There is a natural dislike that is in us for rejection. 
But if you were to come up today and say to me, Pastor, I hate everything you said and I can't stand listening to you, nor do I even like looking at you. That's not going to bless me. I want you to know that. And I'm not going to be happy over it. But I can tell you it won't keep me up tonight. Because God loves me. And compared to God, in my eyes, I don't really care what you say. That wasn't just for me. That's where you need to get. That needs to start. Compared to God, you can't leave that part out. I care what God says. What I'm saying is not politically correct, and it doesn't work in politics. In this society, you can't offend anybody. But even 2,000 years ago, the disciples came to Jesus and said, don't you know that the Pharisees are offended by what you're saying? Jesus says, let them be offended. They're like the blind leading the blind. And if they just keep with that attitude, they're both going to fall in the ditch. That's what Jesus said about it. John 6, I I like this. Jesus told them, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. They started arguing, and he he didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, you guys didn't get it. Let me rephrase this. Let me rephrase this. No, in John 6, 53, after he'd already said all those things, he said, let me tell you again. I'll tell you the truth. Unless you eat the fish. He just repeated himself. Unless you're going to eat, unless you're going to eat it correctly, you're going to eat the flesh, the son of man, drink his blood, you can't have eternal life. I'm not changing my message to make it sound prettier. Here's what I'm telling you. This is the way it is. He didn't explain himself. If anything, he just made it worse. He could have explained it in great detail, but he knew that unless the Father gave them to him, they wouldn't stay and listen and be a part anyway. Have you given your heart to Jesus? Really? Then you've got to be able to hear the things of God that are bold and straightforward, especially when they come right out of the Word. Jesus wasn't moved by people who didn't want to hear what he had to say. We've got to get over our fear and tell the truth. The fear of man is a trap, and it's set by the enemy to limit God in your life. 1 John 4, 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's the fear of punishment, it's the fear of people, and it shows that we haven't fully experienced perfect love. All right. You can get to a place where God's perfect love becomes so real to you that it casts out fear and it casts out someone else's, what they're saying, what they're doing. And if you get to a place where I just, I don't have to be accepted by people, then you can get to a place where you don't limit God. Now, I'm not saying you don't try to minister to people and help them. Please don't hear that. But what I'm saying is you've got to get to a place where that fear of what they're going to think or say or criticize you or reject you, that you're not going to listen. I don't like criticism. I don't like rejection. But anytime God says something and you do what God says, you're going to have some. Not all. I I know what the Bible says, and this can come across like I'm not saying there's safety in a multitude of counsel. There is. But make sure that counsel has filtered that through the voice of God. You might want to think about this. You might want to think about this. All right, that's great. Give me scripture to back that up. Because I need the voice of God on what I'm doing. If someone else's opinion affects your decision over God's, then you're in bondage. According to Proverbs. You won't see God manifest himself in your life if you're codependent upon people and have to have 
their approval. I think you've got that. Jesus was the greatest example of love the world has ever known. They've, the greatest example people had ever seen. And people hated him. They hated him. Because here's why. Light exposes darkness. Which one are you when you walk into a room? Are you light? If you're a man pleaser, you will not be a God pleaser. You just need to know that. You get to a place where you're so dominated by God's love that you're not scared of what God is doing, where he's moving. I'm not fearful of change. I'm not fear of the unknown. I have no fear of persecution. I'm not fearful of man, and I'm not fearful of failure. Why am I not fearful of failure? Because if I do it with the right heart, God will turn what was meant for my destruction, even though I, it may not have been the right thing to do. But I didn't do it with a heart to be disobedient. I did it on the walk to where God had me. And it was a bump in the road. And I, I know that I just messed up, but God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that people, I just can't even tell you how many times I've messed up. I've said things in a sermon and I was like, what did you just say? And God just covered that. And there are other times I had to come back and say, you know what, I messed that up. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I don't want to bring glory to a mistake. But we live so many times in marriage and families with kids, we live dwelling on that 5% of mess-ups and miss the 95% of blessings. Now, I'm not saying you don't address the mistake, but when are we going to get to the point of saying it's a great life? I'm not fearful. I'm not concerned about going home. I'm not concerned about going to sleep. Why? Because God has me. I'm not concerned about getting up in the morning because God has me. I'm not living in fear anymore. Praise God. I'm on a track. I'm on a road. I'm effective for the kingdom of God. I'm a mom. I'm a dad. I'm a, I'm a grandfather. I'm a son. I'm a child. I, I, I'm a worker. I'm doing everything I can according to the word of God. I'm a saver. I'm an investor. I'm paying my bills. I'm an effective member of the body of Christ, an effective member of our society, you might want to come to me because I'm a part of the church and the church has the answer. See, I mean, I don't know when we're going to start proclaiming something different than what the world's saying, but that's what we got to start saying. And we do that when we're not living in fear. So we're not going to live in fear. Yeah, there's going to be other things come. There's going to be people attacked. There's going to be, I don't know when the next one is on the United States, but praise God, the church has the answer. The church has the answer. The church will not fold because the gates of hell will not prevail over the church. Aren't you glad you're in church this morning? Safest place you can be. Y'all stand with me today. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church where it's more than a church. It's family.